Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul, either you're seeing my breath or the steam from my hot cup of joe. Either way, a little chilly this morning, but we are up in Adam here at 8 a.m. sharp for our continued study through the book of Exodus. And so we are all the way up to Exodus chapter 3. Moses has been in exile on the run for 40 years. He's now an old man of 80. He um, has had to flee from the hand of Pharaoh that has wanted to kill him. Well, that Pharaoh has died, and the oppression, though, of God's people has not um, let up, and they're calling out to him. And we see now in chapter 3 God's response to the cries and the call of his people. So let me let me read this section. We're going to read the first we're going to read the 12 first 12 verses of chapter 3. It's a very famous passage about the burning bush and then we will dive in. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jezubites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Let's pray. Father, um, pray that you would give us fresh eyes to see a very, very familiar passage um, in, in a fresh way, in a new way. In a way where um, we see your glory and your holiness afresh this morning. Lord, what we need most, whether we know it or not, is a fresh vision of you, to know you, see you, to worship you, to come to you. And we ask now that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, it's now been 40 years. And the way that this passage opens, where it says Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, I want you to think about this for a second, if you're Moses. What, what this was like psychologically um, in terms of where he had been. Remember, he had grown up in the house of Pharaoh. He had been a prince of Egypt. And he had lived in this lifestyle of safety, security, comfort, and blessing for 40 years. 
Well, after that 40 years, the first 40 years, you know, he begins to feel this stirring in his heart. Um, he begins to identify more publicly with his people. And then, of course, he, in his zeal to defend this Israelite from oppression, he ends up killing this Egyptian. And he has to go on the run. And so, literally, Pharaoh, uh, Moses goes from the house of Pharaoh to the bane of Egyptian existence, which is to tend sheep. Remember that from, from Genesis? That, that what an abomination a, a sheep herder, cattle herder, was to the Egyptians. And so he, Moses literally goes from the palace um, to, the, to the worst of the worst and not for any temporary stay. This was for 40 years and you can just imagine how all this is weighing on Moses his his failure um, how far he sunk and then you then you combine that with just the plight of of the Egypt of the Israelites under the Egyptians at the end of chapter two and here we um, we the Israel and Moses are at a very low point well it says that Moses is tending sheep and that he is at Mount Oreb now thing you need to know is that the, the, the names Oreb and Sinai, okay, so remember Mount Sinai was the place where God appeared to Israel in the cloud and gave the Ten Commandments and, and you know, the, the people were stricken with, with holy terror and, I mean, that was where God's residence, where he, where he was dwelling. This is the same place. So the, so the words Mount Sinai and Oreb um, are used interchangeably. Okay, so remember that. So this is where Moses is, and this is not his going to be his first time at Mount Sinai, right? And this is all very symbolic and significant because Moses sees um, a burning bush or a burning tree. Now, we tend to think of these in sort of quaint terms, right? This was like a little campfire. He sees a little shrub that's burning. He is like, oh, let's go check that out. I just I don't know if that's exactly the way to think about this. Think about it more um, when Pippin had his dream in Lord of the Rings of the of the tree of of Gondor burning in flames. That, that, that's kind of the sense that I get. This was something much more spectacular. This was something that clearly drew his attention. And he and what's important to know is that while we know that this is the Lord, because the narrator is telling us, Moses is telling us, Moses doesn't know what it is at the time, right? He just sees this giant tree, shrub, bush, in flames, not being consumed, and it tells us that he is, he is curious, right? He's curious. There, there's a sign. There's, a, there's something going on. He's moving towards it. Now, as he does that, okay, and look in, look in verse 4, when it says, The Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush. So it is at that point that while God is manifesting his presence, okay, through this sort of symbolic act, it's called a theophany. We know that God is not an actual bush. It's just he, he, he's, he's, he's making this appearance in, in terms of, um, this ordinary object of nature that Moses would understand and recognize with, with this sign. But Moses doesn't know this is God. He only knows that this is God, and now this is important, when God speaks. It, you know, what becomes a curiosity, what is a, starts out as a curiosity or a fascination or a, 
you know, something intriguing uh, to Moses. As soon as he hears God speak to him, okay, what does it say Moses does? Is as he hid his face, his face, he was afraid to look at God. In other words, he was hugging the ground um, because God had told him, "Hey, remove your shoes. This is holy ground." Now, scholars debate what, what is the symbolism that's involved here with the with the burning bush. I, I think, in light of the fact that this is um, remember this is Mount Sinai and remember that in in later when Moses returns with the people of Israel to Mount Sinai after they come out of Egypt and they receive the law the Ten Commandments we know there is smoke and fire that surrounds this mountain right and and that this was a and, and Moses commanded the people do not come near this mountain or you'll die right so I think that that clearly this fire, this burning bush, is meant to symbolize the purity, the holiness of God. That 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 He is pure and other and above and outside of the scope of humanity. And that that Moses recognizes this, that he is in the holy presence of God, and he does what every other person in Scripture does when they are confronted with the holiness of God, God in his absolute purity. Remember Isaiah in the throne room. I am, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. The apostle John, when, when the resurrected, uh, ascended Christ appears to him in the book of Revelation, on his face before God, hugging the ground. The apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ appearing to him, the resurrected, ascended Christ, He's on holy ground. He's hugging the ground. Do you, do you see the, the, the theme here? That God is revealing himself in his holiness, and he must couch himself in a burning bush lest everyone be consumed. He must couch himself in a cloud at Mount Sinai or lest everybody would be consumed. And it's just that it's a reminder for us that that. Yes, God is is imminent. He is with us and in us. And and that is 100% true. But we also have to remember God is above us. God is other. God um, is the creator and sustainer of the universe. That he is transcendent. And so we have to live our lives both aware of God's imminence. That means God in us, with us, comforting us. And the fact that he's holy. And that he is above us, and that he is leading us, and that he is our king, and that and that we are um, his people, and that should spark humility, uh, circumspection, um, a just a sober sobering reality for who God is in his in his essence. Now, what's interesting about this, of course, is that even as God is appearing in all of his holiness, he is at the same time seeking out Moses. He is at the same time um, speaking and calling and initiating. And Moses is responding. Okay, And again, that, that, that's the pattern of Scripture. That, that we know that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is something God initiates. And here, the people have been crying out to God. They've been burdened in their, in their slavery and in their sin. 
And even before, though, that they had been crying out, God had been preparing their deliverance. And that God, because of his covenant, because of his faithfulness, because of his grace, um, initiates out of his holiness to an unworthy people and calls them to himself. And of course, this is the biblical pattern. It's the gospel, right? That, that the holiness, the holy God um, who um, is separated from his people by their, by their sin, um, God would have been perfectly justified to remain as he was, so to speak. But instead, he initiates because of his love, because of his covenant. He appears to Moses. He appears to us through Jesus Christ. And, and that is the pattern of grace and mercy in the Bible, not the reverse. Now, one thing I will just simply note, I don't think it's the main point of this passage, but it is interesting, is, is how we're to relate the issue of signs and wonders and the Word of God. Remember that in the Gospels, Jesus, because the, the Pharisees were asking for a sign, okay, fire from heaven, he told them a wicked and adulterous nation asked for a sign, right? Um, it doesn't mean that God doesn't give signs. It just simply means that we, as his people, need to be in a posture of receiving his word. That's how God speaks most clearly. Um, that's how he speaks to Moses. Okay, he, There was a sign, absolutely. But Moses doesn't even know what it is, right? Apart from God speaking to him and apart from the word. And a lot of times we get this reversed. A lot of times um, we, are, we, we, we look for signs. We find what we think is a sign, and then we try to find some Bible verse or passage to justify what we're doing. And God says it's exactly the reverse, reverse right? I, I appear, I speak, and then as I speak, um, God gives us confirmation. God gives us leading. God gives us um, directions to pursue. But it's always under his word. It's, always, it's never um, apart from his word. It's always in accordance with this word. And... Um, you know, people have said to me in the past, I, God gave me a sign. I'm supposed to divorce my, my spouse. And it's clearly wasn't a sign from God because God's word is very clear, right, on these matters. And so, again, it's just a reminder to us that, that we need the very words of God to give us life, to give us direction. When, God, when, when we read the word of God, we're hearing from God. We cannot hear from God, commune with God, worship God apart from the word of God. And this is part of what we learn in this section with Moses. Okay, thanks to everybody joining us. Um, I know I had mentioned yesterday we might have been starting this devotional a little late, uh, but things worked out to start on time. And Lord willing, we'll be right on time tomorrow morning at, at 8 a.m. Thanks for joining us. Um, tomorrow is going to be the second part of, of Genesis 3 where God reveals himself as Yahweh. And so one of the mo more important singular texts in all of the Bible. So let's pray. Lord, we want to walk in, your, in light of your holiness today. We want to walk in light of your word. Lord, we want to, to have, a, have a, a sobriety about your holiness and about who you are. And then just a heart's full of grace and love and thankfulness for the fact that you've initiated with us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Time for me to go warm up. See you tomorrow.